All right, welcome to episode 138 with Chris Daughtry. Uh, thanks to our sponsors of this episode, Sleep Number and LifeLock. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. You know, you walk you walk into the house and you have a. And here's my issue now. Uh-huh. I, I explained to you a problem that I have. Okay. I have a, I have a chain, a single chain. Uh huh. And I feel like such a douche because I can't wear jewelry. Yeah. And I was given this chain, and I thought I'm gonna try to wear. Because I'm not cool. Like you have a cool look. You have the tattoos. Yeah, but totally you, you, cool you look, the, dude. What are you talking about? You have the rock. <laughs> you have the rock and roll guy. And you have a lot of bracelets, and you have the necklaces, and it works. It may be overkill. <laughs> I feel like such a goober though on a single chain. It looks cool. You know, to be honest, I usually rock a single chain. And today I was like, do I wear my stones or do I wear this? And I just said, let's just throw it all on. But you can, but that, that it fits. Oh, I appreciate like me, it. I'm Thank like you. white Urkel. I'm like country <laughs> Urkel with a chain on. Mike, what do you think of my chain? Is, is it still? <laughs> turn, turn your microphone on. What's on it? Is it is no, not, nothing. I'm just. An amulet of no, sorts? It's nothing. No. It's, well, see, that's even cooler. It's not trying to be anything. It's just there. That's what I feel like I am. I'm not trying to be anything. I'm just here. But that's okay, right? We're, we're all like trying to figure out who we are and what we're doing, and we're all copying something or another. So you have a lot of tattoos, man. I do. Like a lot. Yeah, um, this is still a work in progress. Um, on I, your, this is your left arm you just touched, and I, don't, I can't really see what that is, but it's, yeah. it's heavy. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of cover. Yeah. It's I wonder little... what that costs and how many hours go into almost. So from your shoulder, it looks like from your shoulder to your elbow, it's pretty much all black with the design. Yeah, we're talking about two grand. Wow. And 12 hours Plus the outline, so about fourteen hours worth of work. I did. We did twelve in one day, and that so you was just laid in a chair for twelve I, hours. Man, it was, oh, dude. I was after six hours. I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? And it, it, have you ever had like the worst sunburn ever? And then take that and like have cat scratch fever or something. <laughs> you know, like it, it's just like sandpaper on sunburn. But you know, it was. It was you know, I'm I'm one of those people that like to get it done and be done with it. You have it on your back. You have it on your. Unfortunately. <laughs> oh, you do. You have it on your back too. I've got the the du- speaking about being douchey. My first tattoo was my own last name on my back. <laughs> I, but I made you, a you lot had, of mistakes when I was 26. Team. By the way. <laughs> so you got that at 26. Yeah, 26. Uh, right after I was on Idol. Yeah. What font though? That's a big it's, part of it too. See, that's the douchey part. <laughs> Is it old English it by looks, any chance? It, it looks kind of like. Um, Almost like the font you would picture Godsmack being written okay. in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like that's funny. It's, it's God. There's a Godsmack font in my mind. Oh well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah. So um, it was one of those things where I get off the show and they have this whole homecoming and and people are coming out of the woodwork and you've got Harley going, "Hey, we want to give you a bike," which I never ride. So I was like, "Oh, that sounds cool." Then I found out they weren't really giving it to me. They were just wanting me to ride it and sport their their brand or whatever at the local station. And then they uh, then this tattoo shop was like, well, tattoo you for free. And I was like, I've always wanted a tattoo, but at the time I hadn't I had none. At 26, you had no tattoos? I had no, I had no tattoos. And, um, and uh, I think the coolest thing I had done at that point, right before I went on the show, was had my labray pierced. And then I took that out pretty soon after because I kept, Grabbing it with my teeth when I was Le trying Bray. to eat. I see. I wouldn't know by just you saying Lebray, but it's the like the chin. Di- yeah, the, it's the like dimple it's like the, where the what they call the soul patch, <laughs> where uh, you know it had a spike. It was you had stupid. that pierced, huh? Yeah, it was painful. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. That was it. It was actually more painful when your tooth would catch it when you're eating. I eat really fast, and it would 
inevitably, inevitably grab it every time. And, and I got to the point where I was like, fuck this. I'm, I'm ripping this thing out. And and I never went back. But then I wanted a tattoo. What you think? What you think? Doing all the things. I'm like trying to trying to fit into this rock. (laughs) I don't know. I think um, you know. As a kid, I always wanted a tattoo. Uh, I remember being. There's a reason why they don't give nine year olds tattoos. I wanted the bat symbol tattooed on my chest as as a nine year old. And I was like, man, if they could, if I could get a tattoo, I would totally do this. In hindsight, like I know me then. I would have absolutely done it given the opportunity. Well, let me ask you this question. If you had to go back <laughs> and either get the bat symbol now on your chest or your name read down on your back. I would do the bat symbol in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> Way you, less douchey. If you had to pick one of the Yeah, two. it was one of those things. My wife was like, well, you know, you, you, you said you're going to call the, the band Daughter. I, you know, I, I worked at a car dealership and everybody always called me by my last name. They always called everybody by the last name. It was kind of, I don't know, it sounded like a military thing. Like, hey, Daltrey, do this, do this, you know. And, um, and so when I was coming off the show, I was like, I'm, I wanted to be a band. I didn't want to be like a solo pop artist. I wanted to be a band. That's what I grew up listening to. That's what inspired me. And so I was like, well, we could always call it Daltrey for, you know, name recognition sake, kind of like the Bon Jovi thing. <laughs> and... um and so she was like, well, your na- last name's not going to change, so let's just, just do that, you know. How do you feel about that name of the band, Daughtry, coming right off? Worst band name ever. You think so? So <laughs> is that something you, you would have? Because the name recognition yeah, is a big thing. It is a big thing. And, and I wanted, I didn't, like, that was my least, like, that was my best, worst option, you know. I was like, well, we got to go with something recognizable. Um, I can't just come out with some random band name coming off the show like that because then you know nobody's gonna know what it is i mean i guess i could have yeah i mean it worked for it's tough though to explain work for jared leto that's a whole other (sighs) thing only after though they had a i mean really after it that's true like it it was hard it's hard to puncture mainstream until something does it i mean in 30 seconds to mars had a song before i think most of america realized oh that's the actor too. yeah people didn't even remember my so-called life they were just like oh he looks kind of familiar and so was, you're right i guess the band broke before he actually broke as a and it was almost actor. a cool thing on the side it was kind of like oh i love the song and did you know it's also jared leto right and right. then it became jared leto's band and it, and it kind of manifested back into but they're also just really good like yeah. it, it always comes back to no the doubt that you, there are a million actors trying to have bands but unless you're really freaking good, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. And he's really good. I, I he's great. Talked to him um, probably six months or so ago. I saw him. Oh, cool. In uh, I think Los Angeles, and I went up to him, and he's wearing this whole Jesus outfit with the beard. And the, 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 yeah, yeah, and he just, it all looks like Jesus, right? He got the <laughs> like long Gucci beard. Jesus. He, yeah, yeah. And he's but he smelled so good. Oh yeah. And he doesn't what do you look smell like, like a guy like. Um, so I was picturing like more patchouli kind of. No, me too. Yeah. But he smelled like kind of like Valentine's Day. Oh, nice. If I had to pick a, a smell, get, Mike, could you can you imagine like what cinnamon Valentine's and roses? Day smells like? Like, kind of, yeah. He just wanted to love him. You know. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I've met him briefly, and that was in his. Uh, more of his uh, eyeliner days, the 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 red hair and the eyeliner. So I, it was briefly at like a Grammys party or something, but um, never really had a full conversation with him. Let me hit some of these. Seems songs. like a cool guy though. Yeah, it was real nice to me. He didn't have to be nice to me. He was super nice to me. Uh, so let me play some of the number ones here. Uh, it's not over. Here's this one. I was doing um, pop and rock and hip hop when this song was out. Yeah, I think we I think we spoke, didn't we? 
probably listen. We had a not so good experience I early know, on. I know, and we could, we can talk about that. But <laughs> I, I, I would love to the play by play. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Let's run through the songs, and then we can actually talk about okay, that. Okay, cool. Uh, so that was um, 2006 or so. Mm-hmm. Seven, 2006 or seven. Yeah, yeah. That was the first one, right? That was that the was, first song. I, and I you, you co-wrote that, so you actually made some money off that. Yeah, too. yeah. I um, I actually kept telling my producer at the time, I was like, this is going to be a single. This has to be a single. And he's like, nah, label's not going to go for that. And um, and they did, and it worked out. I, I always just felt like there was it was like the perfect hybrid between... You know the the grunge that I grew up listening to, and the the accessible rock that was on the radio at the time. Did you feel like you had to meet a certain radio standard when you were making music early on? Did you feel like you had to sort of chase something? No, well, I think I did it inherently, um, just because I, not necessarily chasing. Let me rephrase that. I think I did it based on what I loved at the time. So I I kind of modeled what I was writing around the bands that I was into at the time. And I wasn't really paying attention to lyrics. I was into bands like Live and Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Tool. Like, I wasn't paying attention to lyrics as much as I was the melodies and the, the way it grabbed me, you know. So um, so I, I remember writing a lot heavier and a lot more just... I wasn't really paying attention to the story so much. It was more just thoughtless lyrics. And then I, I, I think I started paying more attention to the songwriting aspects and the, and the storytelling and things. Uh, in my later 20s, I started going back and listening to you know Elton John and a lot of the singer-songwriters that inspired the people that I listened to and kind of did my homework that way. This one was a monster home. Come on. I wrote that one all 100%. I wrote that, like, right before going on Idol. Man, I mean, that's... Is that the monster jam that you play during a show when everyone's like, everyone knows it? Is that the one? It is. Because everybody has one song. And you know what's crazy? Like, I... I, Sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. Um, But it's also the one song that I'm like... If I had to pick a song that I'm tired of playing, like, that's the one. But at the same time, it's the most impactful. It's kind of, I was looking at your interview with Mayor, and you guys started talking. I'm like, oh, my God, I've had this same conversation. It's, it's the ones that, that feel like I didn't really work hard to write this. It's kind of like fell in my lap. I wrote, it kind of wrote itself. It's like the first five chords I ever learned how to play on guitar, you know. And uh, it's the one that has had the most impact around the world as far as, like, like our, the, the troops, military, fam, families, and... Um, you know, so many like people have like that come to me and said we we use this to send our uh, a family member off at their funeral, like all kinds of different usages for the song that I never thought of when I was writing it. I was like, I'm about to leave my house, you <laughs> yes, know, so and literally. go on American Idol <laughs> for uh, you know I've never like left my wife and kids on, and I have no idea what I'm about to do or get into and what's going to happen. And I'm in L.A. We all lived in North Carolina at the time. And I just kind of got in that mindset, like, what it's like to be away. I didn't even know what I was. It was like a foreshadowing, if you will. So, yeah. The, the John Mayer conversation was, for me, for someone to understand what I was talking about. Because if you go back and you, there's an older episode, if you're listening now, where I was talking to John Mayer. And I said, hey, some of these jokes are just so easy and down the middle for me. I don't even like telling, but they get the They're the, the ones the that get the, laughs. Yeah. And I'm like, there's no effort in them. And I feel like a fraud 
that I'm using that easiest thing and people are loving it. So it makes me not want to do it anymore because I feel like I can work harder and it doesn't feel challenging to yeah. you. Yeah. And he said, dude, I do the same thing. And I thought, wow. And, and the, and what we've done lately is I've just, I go out there with an acoustic guitar and I play it without the band and the whole first chorus is all crowd and it's, and I'm like, wow, that, I guess that was something that I guess every songwriter hopes to accomplish, you know, that, that even if you have one song that they're able to sing all the words to, and you can just stop and they, they're all on the same page. That's, that's what makes it special now because it's, it, I, I feel that it's actually doing something for them. I like how candid you are about it because all the artists that have major hits feel that way. And even if they won't say it, they have songs that they've had for so long that were monsters for them. And a bit, they would like to move on. Right. But they also know that the people love it. And if they didn't play a song or do whatever they do, that uh, the people would leave disappointed. Yeah. And so a bit, you have to put the people before you. Yeah, we went to see Billy Joel the other night in, uh, at Madison Square Garden. And granted, he has so many hits. like It's impossible to play them all. I mean, we'd be there all night. But as I'm leaving, I'm thinking, oh, shit, he didn't play just the way you are. And that, that was, it was, I wasn't thinking of that during the show because you're like, oh, I forgot about that song. Oh, I forgot about that song. But for us, we only have like, <laughs> you know, like a handful of, of hits. So we're, we're, we've got to be more selective of what we choose not to play. The Billy Joel thing's good, though. I've, good. I've seen him a few. I, I, then Brian him. Adams came out. That oh, he did? Cool. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What the if- encore. Brian Adams came out with Billy Joel at the end? At the encore, he, uh, they came out and did, uh, or, or Billy came out and they did, I think we didn't start the fire. And then uh, out of nowhere, Brian Adams comes out and they do Summer of 69. It was crazy. Yeah, that's cool. And the whole crowd. I oh. got my first Oh, my wrist. God. No, just... Dude, the second he hit the dang, 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 everybody just lost their minds, including me. I was like a little girl. Ah! Billy Joel's funny because he can still sing them, but he has to he has to change the key on all the songs. At least a whole step. Yeah, yeah. Because he's getting older and he yeah. can't hit some of those. Play- Elton did the same thing when I saw him. Those Billy Joel songs are so high though. When he was much younger, he, yeah, he sang at a really high spot just naturally. Yeah, and him and Elton, they were both in these upper registers. That's a show I've seen both of them together too, and they do the dueling pianos. Yeah, or, was that cool? It was cool. I kind of knew a little bit of the story because I'd get to spend. I mean, this is such a name drop thing, but I got to spend a little time with Elton John. Yeah. And they really just, they don't, hate, they, they, they hate each other. I don't know that they hate each other. <laughs> I've but, heard, but they, okay, well, I don't know what you heard. But I, I've only heard that. They I've, don't talk and they go out on stage and do the show and they're away again. Yeah. Like, there's nothing, there's not, a, from what I've heard, there's not a real friendship there, but they play it up so wonderfully. And if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. Because the first time I saw it, I was like, that's amazing. They're best friends. I wonder if they have like some eye signals that they're doing up there. <laughs> Just like, son of a bitch. <laughs> and they, they switch over and do each other's songs, and you're like, oh, for sure they're having dinner yeah, tonight yeah. after the, after the yeah, show. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, that, that's good. They're, they're talking shit about each other at, at each other's dinner. Probably <laughs> into, the, into the side microphone. They're probably whispering things to each other uh, to, yeah. about each other. Yeah. Let me talk about sleep number for one second. Sleep is important. Talk about this. Since we're in my house, your mattress makes a big difference. And if you go downstairs... Into my bedroom, you will see a sleep number bed because uh, I love it. Had one forever. And i got to be honest with you, I, I don't have to have one anymore. And uh, it really does help. It helps me because, uh, you know, if you hear me uh, talk much, sometimes I don't sleep well. But I can tell you a big change for me was when I got a mattress. I got a bed. 
that really was awesome. And maybe you've considered a sleep number. There's never been a better time to go into a sleep number store where all the beds are on sale during the biggest sale of the year. My sleep number setting is 30. And so it's a smart bed. And I wonder what that was, too. It's a, it, you choose the comfort and the support that's right for you. It adjusts on each side. It's the perfect bed for couples. You can feel like contours to your neck. Right now, the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale, plus a 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed. Now through Labor Day, you'll only find Sleep Number at the 550 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find the one nearest you, sleepnumber.com slash bones. Okay, so... Let's do this. Feels like tonight, 2007, another monster for you. You still play this one or no? Yep. You do? Yeah, it's a staple in the set list. It's a big one, man. It would just be tough. I know that, because yeah, well, I'm going to play some of the new record in a second too, because you have the new stuff, but you can't get away from the big ones because you, the fans deserve to hear them. And, I, and I'm in a weird place of being a fan of music and going, yeah. I went and saw R.E.M. This is the thing that shaped me with music and having to play the hits. I went to see R.E.M. once. And they didn't play a single song. That it was all new record. Oh man! I was so even if they had given me one or two, like no drive, no losing my religion, no oh, orange crush, no orange no, crush, no not uh, even the early. What's the stuff? frequency, Kenna? Yeah, none of that. <laughs> they, it was all new stuff. You a big REM fan? B- huge yeah. to the point where I just needed a couple. Yeah. And I thought, man, I'm never gonna be the guy, regardless of what I do, that just goes out and just goes all new. Like Garth yeah. Brooks, who I it's love. A little self indulgent, right? But isn't what we do? I mean, what, no, I mean, like do, to do nothing but new stuff and and think that that the it, fans don't want to hear the other. It is, but to yeah. be fair, what we do is self indulgent. Of course. <laughs> so it, it's a little hypocritical to go. Yeah. It's so self indulgent of them, and here I am, hope, you know, hoping that another million people listen to this podcast of you and I. Yeah. So, yeah, what we do self indulgent. Yeah. But I was disappointed. But I thought I'm always going to be a proponent of playing, making sure the fans hear the hits. You know. And, yeah. Uh, but artists talk all the time off the microphone. They're like, man, I don't want to play the song. I'm struggling with it. Yeah. Oh, you got to play the big ones. Oh, there's some nights where we're just like, oh, this one again. Uh, is there any way to swap it out? <laughs> we have some that we just don't play. Um, because it's actually some just don't go over as well. A little piece of trivia about that song, though. Feels like tonight. Yeah. That was written by Max Martin and Dr. Luke. And it was, that was one of the last songs added to the record when we were making the first record, and it was what they had written for me had I won the show. Oh, that was going to be the song. That was going to be my winning song. winning song if I won. Yeah. Was it? Because I was... It, it's funny how my American Idol life... And, you know, I really wasn't going to talk about Idol much with you. But oh, I, feel free. I, well, I'm I was on the book. show last year. I did a bunch of episodes as a mentor this yeah. last year. And so it's I've kind of got into it and saw what happens mentoring the contestants from week to week. Yeah. Right? And so it's... You it's a very different format than when I was on there. Well, to me, I was just struck at how locked away everyone is. Yeah. Like, you just are in your own insulated bubble. You have no idea what's going on. Yeah. You don't see the judges. Like, the, the a lot of fans just don't realize. Like, we see the judges when they do on television. Like, right there at their desk, and that's it. There's I no, would, like... I would see them, and they'd say, I haven't seen Luke or Katie at all. I see. They would tell me they see me far more than they see the yeah. judges. And I thought that was crazy. Yeah. And you guys didn't have social media, so I don't no. know. Did you guys know how famous you were getting as the show was going? No, no clue. Um, I remember going to the Grove, and it was like uh, we always had – they always made sure we had security. I'm like, dude, we don't need – and then I realized, no, you do. Like it was crazy how 
isolated we were and, and how much we didn't know because even Twitter wasn't a thing then. Like nothing had come out. I don't even know if Facebook was a thing. Probably not. 2006. I think MySpace was still a thing. That sounds about that, right. that was That was about it. Did, could you guys Hell, I didn't even have a phone that could take a picture. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, too. It's not like you could be on a phone and be yeah. on MySpace. No. My, hey, Mike, was MySpace ever mobile? Not really, no. At least usable? It was never mobile, right? I mean, you had it like on really early smartphones, but no, nobody really got it on their phone. You used to take and make your wallpaper and your music. And yeah. You used to yeah, Profile have song. to pick your eight <laughs> friends. Kids don't even know. I know. It's crazy. And it's still around. But, but... No, no Russians were hacking MySpace. Though. No. You know what I mean? Uh, let me do one more. Uh, from 2009, here's No Surprise. It's no surprise That's a jam. Yeah. And you wrote that with uh, Chad Kroger. Chad Kroger and uh, there's a couple other, Eric Dill and Wes Runeberg. Um, they had already kind of started the song before I came into the pick, uh, but... Uh, yeah, me and Chad did all the verses, and the chorus was already written. What's that guy like? He's a cool dude. I mean, I've known him for a long time because we've toured together for so much, uh, for so many times. But, uh, yeah, he's he's like family to me. Are they so rich? Is he so rich? I, will j- I don't know his bank account, but I will say that I did get a chance to stay one night on his boat on the last tour last year. I had some friends who like, have been on the boat. Yeah, and apparently he would throw pillows into the air and skeet shoot them. Oh wow, I didn't, we, didn't, <laughs> didn't, we didn't get that crazy. We didn't do that. No, no, we were shooting other things, but but the, yeah, they, they said we went out on Chad Kroger's boat, and he started grabbing pillows, and they grabbed guns, and we'd throw them up in the air, and <laughs> boom! And it was like we were skeet shooting with Nickelback. It was our, our life just the out on the open time. water. Yeah, out on the open water. Wow, that I mean that does sound like something he would do. Like I'm not even surprised. Where were you when you were on the boat? Were you we were in Florida. We were. Uh, yeah, we took a jet just because we didn't. he didn't want to take the long bus ride, which, hey, if you can do it, do it. I so I like jumped it. on the jet with him and stayed on his boat. Uh, I was pretty hungover the next day. From, <laughs> that's what I hear. Yeah, what, <laughs> uh, let's see. You got a, uh, the, the Lynch record's uh, Cage to Rattle. Yeah. And so how about we play a little bit of Deep End here and talk about right. this one. What's that? Tell me about this one. All right, so this one was one of the last songs we recorded. Um, uh, it came in from the label. I was absolutely, if I'm being completely honest, I was opposed to putting it on the record. Um, at the time, it was a very different song as far as uh, production. Um, I hated the bridge, and I was like, well, at least if I'm going to do this song, I'm going to write the bridge. <laughs> you know, get... I got to have some sort of stamp. And, and, and then, of course, me and Jakir, Jakir King, who um, uh, produced the record, it was our first time working together. We went kind of a bunch of different um, approaches to the, uh, to the um, production. I think at one point it even had like a reggae feel to it, and uh, we ended up here. But uh, I, had to, I looked at it like this was a very difficult record for me to make in the sense that I was in a very – self-doubting um, phase. Like, I was questioning everything. 
I didn't know what was good anymore. You know, we had, we had taken a, a bit of time off the road and I was wanting to pursue acting and I lived in LA for a little bit. And it was just, like, I didn't know where we were going to go musically for the next record. I didn't know who was going to produce it. I didn't even know if what I liked was good enough <clears throat> or even accessible on radio anymore. You know, that whole like feeling out of the loop. And so when it got to that song, I was just like, I felt like I had to give myself up to the process and just be like, you tell me what's good, dude, because I'm in a place where I don't know if I'm holding myself back because I've got such bad demo-itis on everything that I'm just going to have to let you take the wheel. And then I would still go, yeah, but this ain't right. we got to do this. <laughs> so um, it was my way of like kind of giving into the process and diving into the deep end of my emotions and just letting it all... It was a very therapeutic record. I'll, I'll give you. I'll say that. I want to talk about LifeLock for one second. Then we'll talk about because I'm also curious how you ended up being here. Because it's a. I think we can figure this out together. Yeah. So hold on, let's talk about LifeLock. Yeah. LifeLock is uh, has been a big help for me. The FBI is warning financial institutions about a scheme known as an ATM cash out. It's all about attackers and hackers finding little ways in, finding a little dot about you, and then taking what they can from you. I don't want that to happen to you. It's been it's happened to me a couple times. At least threats have, because LifeLock has stepped in and saved me. LifeLock Identity Theft Protection adds the power of Norton Security to help protect you against the threats to your identity and your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. I got the call. I got the email. Like, hey, is this you? And sometimes it is me that's opened up a new account or decided to cancel a credit card. Sometimes that is me, but they're always there going, hey, is this you? No one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft, or monitor transactions at all businesses, but new LifeLock with Norton Security can see threats you might miss on your own. Go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use promo code BONES for an extra 10% off your first year, plus a $25 Amazon gift card with annual enrollment. To get that, promo code is BONES. LifeLock.com, promo code BONES. Promo code BONES, not BONES, BONES, promo code BONES. Terms apply. Let's talk about this. So we do the show from my house, and I get a message from one of my close friends who's also my boss because he runs the whole country of iHeartRadio. He says, hey, what's up with you and Chris Daughtry? I said, nothing. I said, a long time ago, we weren't that cool, but I don't even know if he knew we weren't cool. I said, but why? What's up? He goes, well, I think you guys should, should uh, like be friends again. And I was like, why? I never knew him. I didn't even know you lived in Nashville, frankly. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know you lived yeah. there. And he was like, he, he wants to come over and, and say what up. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, he said, what happened? I said, well, here's what happened. Okay. We were in Wichita, Kansas 12 years ago. Yeah. Maybe 11. I'm not sure. I was, yeah. I was young and an idiot. Now I'm just older and an idiot. And there was a, it was a show that one of my affiliates when I was doing pop, you know, because uh, we were playing your song. Uh-huh. So I went up to that affiliate, and then we were doing an out, out, outdoor show. And there was a bus, and some of the fans that had won these packages, these charity packages, came back. And you were signing stuff for them. And I, even me, I thought it was cool. I was like, freaking Chris Daughtry. I yeah, love yeah, American Idol. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. And so uh, they said, hey, can we take a picture with you? And you said, you can take a picture of me. Not with me. And I was like, oh. I said that? You did. What a dick. Well, listen. <laughs> it, I would, I, you, and usually it's the other way around because I do have people that go, can I take a picture of you? I'm like, no, take one with me. Why would I say that? But again, well, this first is of all, 10, I was 26 11. and a, I was an idiot back then. So then so. I just went, okay, I'm done. Like, yeah. I, I, so I can't be friends with somebody like that or I, I can't even know anybody like that. Okay. So that was it? That was the thing? That was the thing. Okay, so I had it mixed up with another time I was probably a dick to somebody else. Oh, wow. 
I remember I, I was confusing. Okay, so here's my here's what happened. Yes, I was unaware until my guitar player said, "Dude, I heard Bobby Bones saying like something on the air," uh, and this was probably a couple years ago that you were like a douchebag or something like that. And I was like, at the time, still in my egotistical way, would be like. Man, it was probably because he was a dick or something like that. I Which didn't even, could have been true. I didn't even stop and analyze it. So I was thinking, well, maybe it's this interview that I, uh, that I didn't like what they were asking me, so I just hung up on them. Listen, that could have been it, too. <laughs> then, that, that happened, but I never think about interviews. Yeah, sure. yeah. Because I was a douche. So douche. I was like, I'm so not that dude anymore, and I would love the opportunity to meet him face-to-face and hash this out because – like, that's the last thing I want people to take away. I do know that I had a tendency. I, like, I was stupid. I was young. I didn't know what I was doing. I was thrown into this industry without any experience with notoriety or anything. And I was 26. I was like, I look, at the time, I thought I knew what I was doing. I look back now, and I was like, I, my 20s were just complete. I was an idiot. Yeah. So yeah, me too. I feel like I've I've shut that 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 part of me. Thank God. Don't you feel like though when you hit your forties and mid forties, you're gonna be like, man, my thirties. I was such an idiot. Probably. Like if we're not, dude, I'm getting close. If I'm, we're not getting older, I think we're though, the same age. I'm, I'll be 39 in December. Yeah, I'm 38. Too. Okay. So yeah, <clears throat> well, well, good. I'm glad we had this conversation. And yeah. I always like uncomfortable conversations because resolution always comes from uncomfortable conversations, absolutely, and situations like, for sure. And so, but that was it. I don't even know if a couple of years ago I was talking about it because I don't even remember talking about it. It could have been it. even longer ago, and, and I just held on to it. So anytime your name came up, I associated it with the guy that said I was a douchebag. And then I started analyzing it from maybe your perspective and going, maybe I was. Maybe I need to like find out what this is actually about because either way, I'm sure I've pissed off quite a few people along the way. How did you end up here, though, in like Nashville, Tennessee? How did you end up living here? Well, we were in L.A. for a little bit. I think we made it a year out there, and I was just like, it's not for me. You know, we have a lot of kids, so we were just starting to look for a place to, to permanently hang our hats and school districts, and everything was just like, uh, what are we doing? This is too much. I had some actor friends that, that are, you know, actually successful at it and have nothing to do with L.A. You know, they live out in upstate New York, and I was just like, oh, okay. So I guess you don't have to. Um, I remember, um, watch your feet. I drop a lot of names too. This guy named Jeffrey Dean Morgan is on Walking Dead, plays Negan. This buddy of mine, he was like, why are you in LA? Why? What are you doing? That's the dumbest thing you could be doing. You can act anywhere. And I always wanted to be an actor when I was a kid, but I was like, I got to get back into the music. I got to, I got to like realize that this is like, I have a pretty incredible opportunity here and I'm not going to spend more time chasing something else when this is slowly and slowly fading, you know? And, and at that point it was like two or three years after our last record. And I was like, this is, this is by the time we get this record done, it's going to be like five years. Oh my God. And I started having a panic attack. So uh, a couple of my guys had already moved to Nashville from various places. One from California, one from Virginia, and I had some other buddies that were in the music industry that were completely unaffiliated with country. They were more urban hip-hop and, and, uh, and R&B. And 
they moved their whole team out here. And I was like, man, everybody's moving out here. Must be like the thing to do. And so we started looking at houses and we we're like, oh, it's way more affordable than what are we thinking? So we like went back to LA that weekend and started packing our bags. Really? Yeah. And so we've been here a couple of years now and, and, uh, it's, it's definitely closer to where we were from in North Carolina, uh, as far as, um, the, the landscape of things, but it's also close to a major airport. It's close to, you know, the industry. It's a lateral move for me because everybody I wrote with in LA happens to either live out here now or writes out here half the time. So it was, uh, it was just a, it just made sense. That's cool. Oh, by the way, I'm totally good with us. Oh, yeah, like I'm, like we're good. Oh, I, I was too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was just making sure that which we, is why I was like stem that in. We're like, like I'm over. I'm also an adult now. Yeah, and I, and I have less petty things. That, that, totally. You know, yeah. I tr- listen to say I'm not petty would be absolutely inaccurate, but I'm less petty. Yeah. Than I Same used here. to be. I, and I was, I've, you know, how many times people are coming to me and said, "Oh, you were such a dick or a douche," and I'm like, I used to same way. Like, no, you probably were, but now I go, you're probably right. Yeah. It's weird, man. The ego is a funny thing. It can make you just, if you take yourself too seriously, it, it's funny. If you can take your own head out of your own body and, and look at it from a distance like you're watching a movie, that's the way I've kind of had to like really work on myself. It's like, like if I was watching me on TV right now, you can always tell what everybody's doing when you're watching a reality show or something. You, you can call it, oh, they're being a dick or, oh, they're a terrible human being or this. And when you can take yourself out outside yourself and see it in that perspective, it's easy to go, oh, maybe maybe they're right. Maybe my wife is right. <laughs> maybe I am a dick. Yeah, so we're good. Uh, awesome. And you, uh, yeah, That's yeah, fantastic. We're, we're both adult, man. Yeah, we're totally. grown dudes. Totally. <laughs> Both just trying to survive in the creative world, which is almost an impossible place to survive. Yeah. That's it. So uh, you mentioned Walking Dead. Do you watch Walking Dead since you're friends with him? Yeah, yeah. I, I was into it before he got on the show, actually. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Me too. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how they're going to wrap up Rick on yeah, the season. He's supposed to this be is his last this season, season. Yeah. Whenever um, Negan came on to the show, I wrote about it in my last book because I was actually writing my last book whenever – that first episode happened yeah. where he's uh, where he pops the skull. Good God, that was that was hard. That was probably one of the hardest things it for me to a, watch on it TV. Was a hardcore episode, right? Yeah, that show has been so consistently good, and it has its up and downs. Yeah, and it has to being that many seasons, but it's a re- it's a really strong, good show. Yeah, I'm I'm curious where they're gonna go with it. That outperforms network shows. I mean, it was really one of the first shows aside from The Sopranos. Do you watch Breaking Bad? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. And but the thing about Breaking Bad is it really caught on almost like with mainstream three fourths of the way through the, its whole run, mm-hmm. and everybody started going back to watch yep. it. That was me. I, I found out about it like when it was in its fourth season. Yeah, I wasn't cool either. I and I caught on to it late too. Yeah, but yeah, I'm a huge Walking Dead fan. If you see your boy, you talk to him. Tell him I'm a big fan. Yeah, I will. I will. I was <laughs> yeah. actually just talking to him two days ago. You like? Um, you watch Walking Dead? Mike? Oh yeah. Game of Thrones is another one that I'm I'm obsessed with. Me too. And they just delayed season. that again. They just Again? Delayed, yeah, the, maybe 2020, are they saying? No. Did, they, did you read that? I just saw later, no. later oh, 2019. Later in the year? Like, like, okay. like yeah, it was supposed to be like spring of 2019. Now it's going to be even later. Yeah, two summer. things got delayed. Game of Thrones, and they moved back um, the Top Gun movie a whole year today. Because they were doing Top Gun 2, where Tom is, Cruise is now. Is the, he going to be in it? He's an instructor okay. this time. And did Val sign? Is he uh, on? Do you know? I don't think so. Yeah. Oh, come on, Val. Yeah, I don't know. So... Yeah, it's cool that you Gotta guys have a nice man. With the acting thing, tell me about that for a second. 
I just, um, as a kid, like I always, always wanted to dress up and be something else. You know, I was always like into like the superhero shows and I would cut my jeans up to look like Lou Ferrigno's Hulk. <laughs> How'd you like doing stage? Uh, I, I, as far as, um, like, uh, theater. Yeah. I did it in high school and I, I liked it. I, I'm not as much into the musical thing, but I do have a lot of respect for it. Cause I was reading, I was looking over some stuff before you came in and said in high school, you, you did a couple big productions. Yeah, we did. Uh, I was, I was the, I was, uh, Scarecrow and the Wiz. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Were you a really good, no, I mean, obviously you were good, but were you known in high school as the really good singer guy? Not until uh, 11th grade. I, I kept that from people. Like, I, it was one of those things that I didn't identify myself with. So I assumed that it would be weird for other people if, if they knew that about me. Like, I was the dude that was always drawing and played some sports here and there. I, like, I was the kid that was friends with everyone. Like, I had no enemies, and I could fit in with any crowd. The goths, the, the nerds, the, the, you know, the, the jocks. I, like, I, I always had friends in each circle. I don't even know why. Maybe it was survival. But um, I always, like, I just never had a problem with anyone. So I always just thought that people associated me with, I'm the art, I was the artist, the dude that drew comic books, and the guy that, you know, did did uh, you know some acting here and there, and was always in the gym lifting weights. So I I was always like, even my best friend didn't know I was like a singer, and I was like, yeah, dude, I really kind of sing, and he's like, what up, dude? And then I remember I think I broke out some boys to men. <laughs> he was like, oh shit, <laughs> and uh, but I kind of like I was always like the guy that would sing along to the radio and just. I assumed that everybody could do that. So I didn't think I had anything really special until I got maybe in my later teens. And I was kind of felt like I could mimic a lot of the bands that I liked and the singers. And I started like kind of fantasizing about that idea of like, oh, maybe I could do that. And I would see concerts and it would kind of get me more hype. I remember you ever heard of live? Uh, Dude, I'm I'm the biggest live fan. Okay, so Throwing Copper was that was the moment that changed my life. I, I, my brother had, he's five years older than me. He had this cassette tape and he was like, dude, you got to hear this song. And he played lightning crashes. And I was like, ugh, this sucks. There's placenta in it. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I've seen this video on MTV and it's depressing and all this. And then I heard it more and more. And I just started falling in love with his voice, Ed Kowalczyk, who became like a really, um, became kind of a mentor slash really good friend of mine. And I remember seeing them on the Secret Samadhi Tour in 97, and I was, like, jaw wide open, obviously not on a camera phone watching the show. I was, like, engaged, and I have memories of just going, like, that, that's, that's it. Like, I don't want to go to school for acting. I don't want to draw comic books. I want to do that. So I had a buddy of mine start showing me how to play guitar and learn some chords and started trying to emulate all my heroes. That Throwing Copper album is one of my favorite albums in still high school. Still holds up. Yeah, it still holds yeah. up. Hey, pull up Live's, like, their, their, their most played songs. Cause I'm a big Live fan. And so you're friends That's with him. Awesome. Like, yeah, there. yeah. Yeah, he was, um, we've done many shows together. Um, he's come out and joined me on stage. I've come out and joined them. And they're back together, live, original lineup. They're out on tour right now. So um, I was just talking to him, like, two or three days ago. I, I'm assuming Lightning Crash is their number one song. 
Yeah. Number one. He played that a little bit for, for audience. That's one they'll never not play. They can't. They can't. <laughs> you want to see pissed off people? Don't play Just Lightning Crashes. Yeah. God, this song was so good. Like, yeah. I would listen to The Edge out of Dallas. I'd have someone record it on cassette and, and mail it to me because I'm from oh. Arkansas. And this was always on The Edge. Lightning Crashes. Love that you hear a song, it just kind of reminds you of where you were whenever that song was the thing. Yeah. And for the radio edit, they had to change it to her intentions because they couldn't say placenta. They changed it. Are you kidding? So on the radio, it was her intentions fall to the floor. Yeah. Well, he did that on the second verse, so they must have just swapped it out. I yeah. Put it in both. That's weird. Yeah. Mm. It's crazy. What's the second song? I alone. Oh, it's from same same record. That is top to bottom, man. It's so good. Yeah, this is one of my most played records of high school. It was like... They love the flanger. It was Nirvana and Garth and Tim McGraw and Live and Pearl Jam and a little Naughty by Nature. Dude, all of that was... It, we're the same age, so I remember all of those things popping at the same time. Yeah. Naughty by Nature, Pearl Jam, Garth Brooks was huge yeah. then. Yeah, it's a. Uh, that's funny. It's just funny. I haven't thought about live in so long, and tonight I'll go listen to all the live again because it's. There are two times that you go back and listen to awesome music that you used to have. One, whenever someone reminds you of how good it was, and two, when they die. Yeah. And good you really, point. you really don't want to go back when they die and have to, because I was listening to a lot of the Aretha stuff again, and I get, I mean, I was born in 1980, so I didn't get to experience. Yeah. Prime Aretha. But Same here. To go back and to listen to it and watch some of the YouTube videos and see her sing, like in some of the raw footage. Like, maybe one of the best singers I've ever seen sing, period. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I'm yeah. in the land of great singers. Yeah. I see them all the time. And even watching her, I saw a clip of her and Smokey Robinson. And they were sitting beside each other. And I'm a music nerd, right? So I, I, I eat it up. And they were with Don Cornelius. And they were sitting at the piano. And they were doing a Smokey Robinson song. And he starts to sing. Bah, and then she starts to sing. And Smokey Robinson is fantastic. One of the greats. And it was like... Uh, the real professionals here now. Yeah, and she was singing one of his songs. That's how I felt when. <laughs> that's how I felt when I did a song with Vince Gill. Oh yeah, like this is how you sing, boy. <laughs> Wait, so so what'd you do with Vince? We did a song on our second record, "Leave This Town," uh, a song called "Tennessee Line." Uh, me and my guitar player wrote it when we were in Germany. We were. Um, it was kind of like we were tapping into a little little country vibe, and I originally had wanted. Um, to do this song with a with a female vocalist, um, Allison Krauss was top of my list, and she wasn't available or didn't care. I don't know. We got like word back that she wasn't available. She probably said, "I hate that band." I don't know. I've never met her, but I absolutely love her, and her voice is like an angel. So um, I was like, "Man, I don't know who else we could get." And I was working with Richard Marks in the studio on another song on that record and he was I was playing him some of the songs that were recorded and he was like dude you know who you need to get you need to get Vince Gill I was like oh cool well why don't you just call him up for me <laughs> and he goes oh I will he's one of my best friends I was like oh, oh, oh okay I thought you were just joking around but um then I get this call from Vince and he's like hey man heard you want to do country and uh I'll do it man I'll do it just and I was like well you never you haven't even heard the song yet like for all you know it's like about hookers and blow or something <laughs> you know? and he goes man i love that stuff <laughs> i was like i like this guy this guy's funny he goes oh you always beer and pizza i still haven't paid him back um but 
no, sure enough, we, we sent him the session. He was about to go on vacation. And uh, actually, now that I think about that, <laughs> the hookers and blow thing might not be a good thing to put in here. But it was a funny joke. Um, it was obviously a joke. Yeah, so that was the, obviously. That was a joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, people. Um, but he sent it back. He had his uh, dude lay down some fiddle on it, and uh, he sent it back, and, and it was just a rough mix, but his voice was about 5 to 10 dB louder than mine. And when he came in on that second verse, I was just like, what? So it was like God saying, this is how you sing. <laughs> That's always how I looked at it, but his voice is so incredible. That, would, to me, was like the, the male version of what I heard Alison Krauss do in my head. What vocalist have you been able to be around, perform with, or to be on tour with, and actually see with your own eyeballs that you go, oh, that's next level? Kelly Clarkson in the studio, in the vocal booth. Ridiculous. Effortless. Like, honestly, it made me mad. I'm singing right now. We did a song together. It never got out. Um, was that, I, now that we're talking about Richard Marks, I, was, I wrote it with him and a guy uh, named Jason Wade from Lifehouse. And we were writing it for... Um, we're just doing a bunch of writing. We we happened to all be in LA at the same time, and and um, and Kelly was working on her record with Howard Benson, and, and I knew Howard because we had already done two records together. And I was like, "See if she see if she'd like this." And I did a demo of it and kind of rocked it up a little bit, and and she loved it. And we went and cut the cut the song, and I was just like, "Flo!" I knew she was good. I've seen her perform many times, and. We had performed together at Bridgestone years ago when we came through with Three Doors Down. She did Fast Car with me. Uh, um, Tracy Chapman. Yeah, yeah. so cool. And uh, But I'd never worked with her in the booth, and I was just floored at her technique. And, like, she's flawless. Her pitch and everything is just next level. It's funny you mentioned Richard Marks because to some people, Richard Marks is wherever you go mm-hmm. i will be right here waiting yeah. for you but he's a big producer now oh yeah working with everybody. yeah he's written like so many you know, like writer yeah writer yeah he was writing one of my friends last week yeah and she was like i'm with richard marks writing and she really doesn't know him as anything other than the, the guy that writes some right songs. right right and like me i was just at that age where i remember him on the radio when i was a kid dude I- it was all the t- endless summer nights. Like all that stuff was like a staple, and, and like you turn the radio on, and there's Richard Marks. And I'm a huge Cubs fan, and he would wear the Cubs hat. Oh yeah, and I was from Chicago. Yeah. yeah. So Rich, and you mentioned Jason from Lifehouse. I was a big Lifehouse guy, and like he's the early in 2000s. Nashville now. Is he? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Do you know him? Yeah, I do. Yeah, is he a good dude. Good, great dude. Salt of the earth. Yeah. Yeah, really I was a big guy. Lifehouse fan. Great writer. Well, so what? You know, that's interesting. Uh, something to go into is that wh- where is rock music now, and what is rock music? Like I, I have I, no idea. I don't either. I don't know the definition of it anymore. Um, you know, I, I, I think we're still in a time where the radio is scared of guitars, but I don't know. I, I don't feel like I have my finger on the or my thumb on the pulse enough to know when that's changing. So what do you do though? I mean, we we brought guitars back in our record and just said, you know, this is what we do. So I don't know if that's going to hurt us or help us, but um, I know that that's what I love. That's what really drew me into music, just hearing the, you know, like we went to see the same bands. You know, you see that, and that that is your idea of rock and roll. And um, I think Imagine Dragons does a pretty decent job of navigating between both worlds. Um, it's always, can it be translated 
heavier live, you know, which we tend to do a lot too. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of great rock acts out there that, that aren't seeing the light of day. You think Imagine Dragons are rock? I think they started that way. Or did they? What are or, the killers? I think that's rock. I think it's. It, I think it's more about the attitude behind it too. And that was the point of my question because people struggle with this in country too. They go, "Is it country? Is it not?" There's not a right answer. Yeah, I think They're, it's. I think it's the intention behind it. Um, I think everything is kind of all. Kind of like in, when you go over to Europe and tour over there, like all genres are kind of played everywhere. It's not like. You got this format, this format, this format. Um, it feels like it's all like we did a show with Backstreet Boys over in Germany, and we were like, "This is interesting," but equal fan base. Like the fan base, that's human though. Yeah. To, to be fair, like on my radio show now, and it's on 130 cities and in, in Canada, 20 or so. So you know, we have a broad audience that comes to listen to a country. But I play hip hop on my morning show. Yeah, I, play, I would play Imagine Dragons. I love all of it. Yeah, people love all of it. Yeah, it's you, it's nobody just, nobody turns away when they see any of that live. You know. And if you look at some, you talk about looking at your life as a movie. If you just look at someone's phone, no one's phone is a format of music. It's true. No one's phone is a format. No one's car is a format. The only thing that's format and categories are fine. To be able to separate things, right? But if you're talking about what consumers like, and that's what I try to do, I try to be on the pulse of what people like. Yeah. Um. There, the formats aren't a thing. You may lean a bit, you may like a certain sound a bit more, but everybody loves some Frank Sinatra. Yeah. And everybody, everybody uh, loves Snoop Dogg. Yeah. You know, everybody loves and absolutely. The same people usually like both a little Tupac, bit. Tupac, right? You know, uh, we Prince, one of my favorites. Um. Yeah. It's it's it's. I wish that it didn't feel so separated sometimes. You know, I, I do understand that people go to the format or actually you probably know more than I do on how it's tested and how they judge what, what's able to be played on what. But I just think I look at it from an, like maybe maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but like put it out there and let's see what it does. Like let it let it have a life of its own. Let let the people judge, you know, whether that's going to be played or not. I mean, and that's what people do to us. They judge. Yeah. They come. They listen. They don't. Mm -hmm. They decide. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing to go, away. what is rock music? Because what is country music? What is, even what is hip-hop? You know? Yeah. Mike D is mumble rap hip-hop? That's hip-hop right now, yeah. You know, Post Malone. Now, I love, I love Post Malone. And some, you know, and so do I, I listen he, to it like every night before I, I go on stage. He's diehard Post Malone, and we'll, love play it. It. we'll play it on the show some, and he's seen Post Malone live. But it's, Is he good? He's really good. That's awesome. And he can do anything. And he plays guitar. Yeah. My comparison to Mike D, who's, how old are you? 27. Was, and they're not the same, but they feel the same, uh, Kid Rock. When he came, okay, he's kind of a hip-hop guy, but he does some rock stuff, and now he's kind of country. I don't really know what he, but it's all kind of good. Post and you Malone, see him live, and he does all of it. And Post Malone's kind of that. <laughs> yeah, it's he true. plays guitar and sings, and he does hip hop, and he's. I could totally see him pulling out a country song, and it and it being too. completely it, believable. Right? Yeah, like, I could see it. Yeah, and, and he's from Texas, and we would go. It would be believable. Oh, he has country roots too. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Um, I didn't know this. You you guys have sold eight million records, huh? 
That's what they tell me. Is that me. what it is? That's, yeah. a, that's a lot of records, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, it, listen, a lot of this isn't from mine. The whole first part of this interview was, but I, want, I made a few notes that I wanted to, uh, to bring up, things I didn't know. Behind, I guess, uh, Kelly and Carrie, you're the third biggest alum from Idol as far yeah. as like selling and yeah, success. Yeah, it's crazy. That's cool. When, they, when I hear that, it always kind of – sometimes I forget. You know, I don't ever really – I try not to pay attention to all the accolades and the numbers, and it's, it's fun to hear. It's like, oh, yeah, we've done all right. The rumor <laughs> that I always heard was that you had uh, either auditioned or they wanted you to sing for Fuel when you came off Idol. Was that true? Yeah, yeah. It uh, was. Oh, yeah. It, no, it was crazy. It was after my, my first week of the actual competition, I think we, I did. Um, it was the week after I did Hemorrhage. It in was, my hands, yeah. in my, my hands. And there you go. Randy Jackson came up to me after that show that night. We were all headed to the dressing room, and it was one of the very few times that I actually saw him outside of the judging table. And he was like, dude, my boy uh, Carl Bell from Fuel hit me up. They might be looking for you, man. They might be looking at you. I was like, why? He goes, I think they, they're looking for a singer. I'm like, what? What happened to Brett? He goes, I don't, I don't think it's working out. I was like, well, that's flattering, but obviously I can't do anything because he goes, yeah, but, you know, don't be surprised if you hear anything, you know. And they kind of, like, waited. And then they hit me up when they knew that I wasn't on the show anymore. So they did hit you up. And uh, actually they went on Entertainment Tonight and actually did a blurb on that saying, hey, Chris Daughtry, you know, we're we're looking for a singer. Hit us up. And it was weird. Like, I didn't know what to do. Like, I was like, oh, wow. You know, if I was, maybe maybe if I was, you know, still a nobody and I was, and, and I don't mean that in any sort of uh, disrespectful way, but, like, I pictured me, like, if I was in the clubs before I ever went on Idol, spinning wheels, not, you know, m- maybe playing for gas money. If that offer came along, it would be, like, no-brainer. Like, this is much better than where I'm at right now. And, and obviously, I, nobody's beating down the doors at these clubs to sign me. But I'd had this opportunity to be on American Idol, and I was like, this is like my audition for every record label out there, really. And to be you. And frankly. to do what I do yeah. and not be limited to someone else's success or someone else's songwriting. And I was like, man, that, that's really flattering. I, but, yeah, just... Can't I, in my right mind can't say yes to this. Yeah, That's and the guy's still alive, so that always felt weird too. It's not like you're replacing. You could be watching the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're like, you look out in the audience, and he's like flipping you off. Had a bad gig. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, listen. Uh, the new album's "Cage to Rattle." Check it out. Um, let's play, Michael. Let's play one more track from the new record before we jump out of here. Why don't we play uh, "Backbone"? How do you sing like this if you have a cold or if you're sick? Man, colds are my worst enemy. Um, you know, I, I rarely get them, thank God. Um, I rarely get them, but uh, that cold isn't nearly as bad as, like, a sinus infection or something like that. That's when I'm, like, or bronchitis. That's I've had it, like, maybe twice. 
um, on tour and laryngitis a couple times. I think we've can in ten, twelve years of touring, we've canceled like three shows because of being sick. I hate canceling. It's a tough thing. I you know hate the, canceling. You know the pe- me too. Get, and I'll go do stand up and like I care so much about the people that come and I know they've made plans for weeks and your voice is your and your they work tickets yeah and they also don't want to give them a bad show if i'm not feeling well so you're just so torn and they got probably some got babysitters yeah and they actually came and took part of their life and came to see me like that's a big deal to yeah. me yeah it's a big and so it's a tough thing to being compassionate and, and empathetic really changes things when you when it comes time to you know make that decision do i cancel and then you think about the hundreds or thousands of people that just maybe drove an hour, hour and a half, had planned it for weeks, months, sometimes a year in advance. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, Hate listen, to disappoint, Chris. It's good to it's good to spend Thank some time you for with you, man. Are you kidding? Absolutely. We we've done an hour, and that's a good that's a strong hour. Yeah, it was strong. It was a strong it felt hour. Good. Uh, I didn't hang up on you. No, and I didn't hang <laughs> up. On, this yeah. is great. Are oh, you didn't hang up on me? Yeah. That was, it's all good. It's great. Um, I think for uh, old times' sake. Instead of taking a picture of you, we'll take one together. Yeah. We'll post it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Great. We'll, we'll do the whole That'd thing. That'd be awesome. I'll yeah. put it up on Instagram. That'd be great. Yeah, people will be like, look at that. Yeah. No, totally. but really, I, I'm, uh, I'm really excited you came over. Yeah, I am too. Thank you very much for taking the time to have me. And shout out to our buddy Kevin Legrette, who Yes, thank you, Kevin. Who is responsible. Connecting the dots uh, here. Yeah, and, and is a big part of my life, personally, and in my career. So shout out, Kevin. Love you, man. All right, well, Chris Daughtry, episode 138. Thanks to Sleep Number and LifeLock. Be sure to check out Cage to Rattle. Stream, download, buy it. Any way to consume it that you'll consume it. Go see him, though. That's the important thing. If he comes around, go see him because uh, that's, how, that's how artists it's eat, It's a man. fun time. Oh, we're going to – oh, we're playing the Ryman September 25th. Are you? You got to come. Boy, is it a weeknight? Because I wake up at 3 in the morning, man. Is it a weeknight? It's probably Thursday or something. That's a, that's a, <laughs> yeah, I won't even go see them, my friends. Them radio, them radio hours yeah, are, are I, rough. I wake up at 3 o'clock Woo! every morning. I'll tell you what. If it's on a weekend and I'm not on the road, I'm, I'd love well, to Well, we got there. you taken care of yeah, if yeah. that's the case and, and any other time. Obviously. So uh, at the Ryman in Nashville in September. September 25th. What's the website for people to go check out? DaughtryOfficial.com. Oh, you don't have Daughtry.com? Yeah, what's up with that? We don't have... <laughs> yeah, so I guess that was Somebody squatting on that one? <laughs> Somebody must be. Uh, yeah, check out Cage Dorado. Go see Chris. But out. I do have Chris da- at Chris Daughtry on Instagram. I did manage to get that one. Did you have to buy it? No, we actually uh, we actually were... Um, we, had, we knew someone who made a phone call. I don't know what that phone call entailed, but we got we got the domain. <laughs> I can't get at Bobby Bones. So and crazy. No, they're not even using it. Yeah, they just sit on it. Yeah. For what? Yeah, for us to pay for it eventually. Well, I do have an underscore on on my Twitter account. That is true. That Chris guy that, underscore Dodger. That guy won't move. <laughs> uh, we'll see you guys next time, Chris. Thanks for the time. Thanks man. for having me. All right, there he is. One thirty-eight.